This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 470. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and joined today by co-host, producer, man of many, many awesome things, Matthew Marister. <laughs> I'm just happy to be here with you, man. And of course, everybody who's logged in on Facebook and the YouTubes. <laughs> good, to, good to be with you, brother. Um, after couple of interesting weeks as far as uh you know we had the holiday seasons season upon us uh christmas new year's i took a trip to idaho uh you you know you've had some things going on as well and here we are so uh matthew uh did an episode in our stead or not matthew jacob did the episode yesterday for both of us um which if you missed that episode 469 he uh, shared some some cool stuff, things he's learned and, and has achieved uh, using the Manus. Uh, uh, the, I guess he's probably using the X10 these days. But uh, mm-hmm. anyway, super cool stuff uh, from episode 469. And here we are in episode 470. Hard to believe we are fast approaching that 500 mark. This episode is sponsored, brought to you by the new Ready Up Gear Range Ruck Backpack. This, uh, you know, we got our first shipment in of these, and they are flying off the shelves fast. El Quico. So, guys, you want to make sure you head on over to concealedcarry.com forward slash range ruck to get one of these before they are all gone. I mean, we will be we will be ordering more in, but just know that they are going fast. So you're gonna want to make sure you take advantage of this deal now. These are an awesome four handgun backpack range bag uh, that uh, I carried with me at USPSA Nationals this year, and it worked awesome in that capacity. And it is now my range backpack of choice, my range bag of choice. It, it In fact, it'll be going with me this evening to a USPSA match as well. So yeah, range ruck from Ready Up Gear Guys, get one now, concealedcarry.com forward slash range ruck. We have no guarantees or promises as to how long they will be in stock. Uh, also, today's episode is sponsored by the our very own concealedcarry.com legal boundaries by state book. Uh, it's particularly relevant, I think, when we are doing episodes like this one today with uh, the uh, justified save stories, uh, defensive gun uses. Because it's really important you understand your laws, also understand your carry laws for all the states that you might find yourself in. In fact, just yesterday, I went through three three states. So it's good to know what I can and cannot do as I am on the road traveling, uh, or even if you just need a good refresher on the laws of your own state where you find yourself. Guys, go to concealedcarry.com forward slash gun law book to get a cop- your very own copy of the Legal Boundaries by State book. So today's episode, as uh, hinted at, is the Justified Saves episode we do once a month, uh, where we highlight and cover stories from the past month of justified 
use of deadly force uh, in civilian contexts, meaning these are these are either uh, non-LEO, non-military, or they're in some cases off duty. As long as they are not in their official capacity as a law enforcement officer or, or member of the military, then they classify as potential stories that we share as part of this episode. And we do make effort to uh, research or at least have a, a, a reasonable reason to believe that the uses of these de- of this deadly force in these stories is justified, meaning lawful, because that's important. It's important, I think, for us to understand what we um, what permissible, what is not permissible under the law. Quite often, we share stories that where people uh, cross the law, cross the line between lawful and unlawful use of deadly force because those are valuable lessons to be learned as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, the the key is, I I think, Matthew, is knowing in advance before you ever find yourself in a situation like that, what the situations might be like, what what the circumstances might uh, turn out to be in advance. So I I want to make the decision ahead of time. We can't decide ahead of time necessarily exactly how we're going to respond to circumstances that we are not able to foresee, but I think it's important to have a good idea that, hey, if I see somebody breaking into my car out front and I go out there to stop them and they're unarmed, but yet I shoot and prevent them from stealing my car, then we have a problem, right? So that's the aim. That's the goal is to help everybody be a little bit better prepared for those situations when and if they find themselves in such situations. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, before we really get into our first story, I do want to comment, Matthew. And Matthew, you and I talked offline about, you know, possibly talking about yesterday's events in our nation's capital um, as part of an episode. And I don't know that we will do a full-fledged episode about that um, because it's not, you know, it's, it's not a particularly, it's not a gun specific thing or, or issue or, um, you know, yes, it, ha- it may have some implications with regard to the second amendment and yes, maybe some second amendment fueled uh, emotions that have led our country to where it is, to where you have tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people assembling in our nation's capital to express their support or non-support for certain issues. But all I can say is that yesterday was an ugly, ugly day in our nation's capital. What do you think? Yeah, I I mean, I guess, and and I'll probably get a little bit of of flack for this, but I, I try to remain consistent and I always put you know, the shoe on the other foot test. And um, I, I, you know, I don't think that necessarily the violence, uh, you know, smashing windows and um, in those types of things um, is necessarily the greatest path to, to um, changing things. I understand, you know, the, the sentiment and um, I'm certainly not judging anybody, but um, I think, um I think that to be, and we should 
I, I think there is a distinction between random violence, you know, jacking people in their cars as they drive down the street or burning buildings and stuff is a little bit different than the violence that we saw yesterday. However, I'm not, that, that's not, you know, to say I condone violence or anything. I'm just, I think we, we can differentiate um, between random violence and violence that's occurring because, you know, they're trying to force their way in. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't think violence is, is necessary is necessarily the best path. Um, but um, I, I fully think that the, the people that down, were down there that m- made their voices heard um, in, in a, you know, a, a loud way, but not a violent way. Um, I think that that's, you know, that's kind of like what we're, what we should promote, I, I think. Um, but, you know, and, and maybe history is going to show maybe that um, a little bit different. We could, it's, it's still kind of new, right? So um, we don't have all the information, but um, I think being consistent about not being violent to uh, affect an end um, is probably the best path, but Hey, I, I don't know. I'm not, <laughs> I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, I, I share a, a similar, similar sentiment to yours that, um, you know, first of all, it's a complex situation. Um, and there, there was a lot that was going on, but the first thing I'll just state about yesterday's, um, Riots, protests, whatever. I don't want to call it. I mean, some of it was definitely riot-like behavior. You know, when we're talking about damaging property and breaking into the U.S. Capitol building, that 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 would be, I think, definition of a riot. Um, protesting for sure is taking place. But the fact of the matter is thousands upon thousands of people were peaceably assembled and were making a statement uh, in an impressive manner. And by and large, 99. Nine percent of that was peaceful, and was appropriate, uh, and was powerful. Actually, I think in just how I, I frankly, when I first started seeing some images of how many people were actually assembled, I was like, "Wow, dang, yeah. that's that's impressive." Um, and and so good for you. Some of you maybe within the sound of my voice, maybe we're even there, and. Uh, you know, good for you for doing that and being there and being a part of that in a peaceful manner. Um, secondly, it seems quite apparent to me, and, and there's more and more evidence coming out supporting this, that there were those amongst the people that started pushing their way toward the Capitol that were there for nefarious purposes, that were not necessarily a part of the larger group in, in terms of being there in a peaceful manner to, uh, you know, to, to make a display of, uh, of all these other, you know, other peaceful people assembling in support of our president and all uh, of our nation. Um, but there were clearly those there that were there to, to start and to instigate trouble. And, uh, w- it's hard to say exactly who's all involved and where that started and who did what, but there was definitely those amongst some of the worst instigators that, I would not say we're part of, I, I, they, they're not affiliated with like, first of all, I, I would say I'm so glad and happy to see people that assembled there in our nation's capital peacefully. I would say I associate myself with them. That's awesome. Kudos to you. I do not consider these actors that were committing violence to be 
part of that association. Um, and that is unfortunate. And it's also unfortunate that that became the focus. The violence became the focus and detracted from the good of the greater group that was there. So that is unfortunate. Um, and I think that's about all I got to say about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's time I'm to move, over or move on to our, uh, on to our uh, justified save stories. So yeah, these are crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In fact, uh, Matthew, why don't you share with us the first one here? We have uh, a, a story out of WKBN.com. Uh, this is in Pennsylvania, uh, specifically Erie, Pennsylvania, where police say a man firing and a second man at a Pennsylvania gun range was killed by a third man. Now that by its, uh, you know, I, at face value might be a little bit of a confusing headline, but man firing at second man at a Pennsylvania gun range killed by a third man. Yeah. So this happened. Yeah. This happened at 2 PM at the state game lens gun range. Um, A 26 year old um, was shooting and apparently he turns and starts firing at another 28 year old who is at, uh, at the range. Um, also shooting it's, we're we're not, you know, told if these people knew each other, if there was some sort of altercation or whatnot, but he apparently starts shooting another guy at the range. Um, the 67 year old guy who happens to be at the range, um, sees what's going on and then shot the, um, the initial guy who turned and started shooting the other guy. Um, so the only one, the, one of them dies, um, I believe it was the initial guy who, who turned around and started shooting. Um, and the, um, the other guy who was being shot at initially is treated for injuries and, and, uh, he's, he's at the hospital. Um, it's interesting that this actually says that, um, uh, let me get the correct, they actually arrested, um, the older man, uh, the guy who intervened at, at, towards the end. Um, and so it, it, it's crazy. I, I, and what's, what makes this even crazier, and obviously, you know, there's a lot to unpack with, with, with the whole thing. But I remember, and you might have seen this post maybe a year ago, where somebody was talking about if somebody pointed a gun or somebody was flagging uh, the down, you know, people down range or something like that, flagging the line at a public range. And he said, if I saw that, I would, I would, you know, I would point my gun at him. And, and if he, he, he wouldn't stop, I'd shoot him. And I, and I thought like, man, that's, that's crazy. There's, that's, there's always one person that, that thinks some crazy thing, but I don't think this is the same guy, but I, I don't know. I, I can only imagine that that's, must be something that happened like, Hey, don't you flag me or, you know, something like that. And then he says, well, I feel threatened because you're flagging me um, and, and start shooting at this guy. It's just, it's, it's bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, <laughs> so first of all, kudos to the 67 year old man for being so switched on to be able to save the life of somebody else. Um, the one thing that we don't get from a story like this, I mean, this is literally a like six sentence news story, maybe, maybe five, (laughs) it's like five sentences long. Um, so that's unfortunate because it doesn't give us a lot of detail 
And, and we also, it's unclear as to maybe what some of the intents were. And, and for that matter, it may not even, we may not even be able to know or understand what the intents of this man that was initially, according to the star- story, he was firing down range and then at some point turns and starts firing at somebody next to him. Uh, so in, in other words, we don't know if that was intentional or not. Could have been accidental. Like, that's fair, right? Like, it could have been that he was shooting and turned and didn't pay attention to where his muzzle was pointing and the fact his finger was still on the trigger and and then fired. And, and what we do know is he must have fired multiple times because the man he shot uh, was, is in hospital being treated for multiple gunshot wounds. So, seems somewhat unlikely that, you know, an accidental shooting would would result in so many gunshot wounds to another person. Um, So, and the other thing is that we're not there, so we couldn't see um, like body language would be huge in this, uh, where a person's eyes are looking, what's what's the the expression on their face uh, and their overall body. Like I said, their body language would be really key as far as it's, there's a very different look to someone who is intentionally turning and aiming a gun at somebody. And while intently looking, you know, at that person through their sights, their gun up on target, pressing the trigger, that's very different than someone who just happens to turn the gun sideways while their mind or their eyes or their attention is elsewhere and accidentally, you know, fire off a a couple of rounds. Mm-hmm. So, so that's really important to, you know, that, that, that kind of information would be important as to determining exactly what the intents were and whether these actions by this 67 year old man who stepped in and he stepped in by shooting at the first man. Um, but it, it seems apparent based on how this is reading that the first man shooting the second man was intentional in doing that. And this third man was switched on enough to instantly shoot his own gun. And, uh, he, he, and he, he did in fact kill that first man, um, yeah, but it, may it, very well have saved the life of the second man. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, I, I, I miss, I misstated or misspoke. Um, the guy wasn't arrested, the, the older gentleman. I, I was thinking about a different story that's coming later. Um, so he, he wasn't arrested. So um, to your point, you know, this guy stepped in and intervened. And, um, and you know, when we intervene on somebody else's behalf that we don't know, um, you know, there, there, there's a lot at stake when you do that. But apparently this guy determined like this was unequivocal that this guy was actively shooting this guy in an attempt to kill him. Um, and the other guy wasn't shooting back, you know? So, um, but yeah, to your point that it was good that this guy actually, I mean, I I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough to say, you know, what, what, if, if you're being honest, um, you you really have to take in, in in a lot of information and make a split second decision. Am I going to get involved in this? Like, I don't know these two people, but you know, like I said, he must've through what he was seeing, uh, one was the aggressor or, you know, the, 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 uh, more aggressive one. So. Yeah. So an unfortunate incident here out of Erie, Pennsylvania, but, uh, again, as it seems to appear, I am, I'm, I'm glad it seems to have resolved in, in a, you know, manner that saved somebody's life, at least from what we can tell. So interesting story for sure. And going back to you, you, you talking about, 
Matthew, that situation where somebody was talking about, you know, instantly turning and shooting somebody if they were to muzzle somebody else or that kind of thing. Um, again, I would exercise caution, like mm-hmm. take, making the assumption, first of all, that somebody by accidentally muzzling someone else is, constitutes a deadly. Th- I mean, yes, it is, it is a potentially dangerous thing. Uh, when somebody maybe points their gun at someone else unintentionally, uh, but as to whether that would warrant or justify deadly force, um, I, that's a tricky situation for sure. And I, I think articulating that in front of a judge, in front of a court, uh, would be potentially tricky. And here's the other thing, too. We can't guarantee by the fact that we intervene with force by shooting someone that it doesn't cause them to inadvertently hit the trigger on their gun and still injure or kill that person they are muzzling. Sure. So um, that's, and that's the other thing is it's uh, far from a sure thing and let's, yeah, let's advise caution. The important thing is really trying to understand what someone's intent is and that body language and facial expressions and words that are even said, potentially that kind of thing, that all is uh all situationally dependent. That's for sure. Let's go now to Dayton247now.com. So this is obviously out of the Dayton, Ohio area. And it says here that a Dayton man shoots woman carrying golf club, and the woman is the one that gets charged. Uh, so, and again, kind of an interesting story here. I told you we had some doozies for you lined up for today's show. But basically, this is the way it goes down. Um, in the uh, in the morning on two this is actually Tuesday morning just uh, two days ago about eight fifteen a.m. a man confronted a woman who was outside damaging his vehicle with a golf club. The man reportedly told officers that she threatened to shoot him, so he returned to his apartment out of concerns that she had a weapon. And that uh, suspect, this woman, is was a thirty year old woman that then followed the man into the building still carrying this golf club. And she began striking the door with the club. The man told police that he then thought he heard a gunshot at which time he police said that the man shot through the door striking her. So it sounds like he goes out to, Hey, you are damaging my car with this golf club. Please stop. And I imagine he's probably already on the phone or about to get on the phone with police to try to put a stop to, to this act of uh, vandalism and damage property. She then follows him back into what appears, yeah, back to an apartment building. But it appears this man gets his door closed behind him um, because he shot through the door, as the story said, and struck her. Um, so she's outside his door banging on the door of the golf club. He claims he thought he heard a gunshot, um, which I suppose might be perceived by, by a person um, with someone striking the, their door with, you know, very loudly, very hardly, if you will, uh, with a, uh, with a golf club. Now, regardless of whether there was a gunshot or not, regardless of if there was an actual deadly threat towards this man or not. Uh, Here's what I will say about this situation is that shooting through an object where you cannot see through that same object 
is a risky move. You don't know exactly where this threat or this person is. You cannot guarantee your bullet will strike them, right? Because shooting through objects, while we can make some reasonable conclusions that a bullet will likely perform a certain way, we can't always guarantee that. So even if we think we have, you know, even if we know that, hey, if I shoot through this position place on the door, it's going to go through and strike this person who I consider to be a threat for whatever articulable reason, you cannot guarantee that round is going to strike that person the way you think it will. Right. And so it's, it is, this is not the smartest move in the book. Uh, This is not the best play here. Okay. And and so again, I recognize that he may have thought that he heard a gunshot. It appears that there was in fact, not a gunshot or or a shot fired by this woman uh, based on the reporting anyway. But perhaps the smarter move is to take cover, get somewhere where you can protect yourself from potentially being struck by that. Because the problem here is even if there is a threat by you responding to that threat with your own deadly force, by firing your gun through this object, if it somehow missed that person and then struck somebody else, an innocent party, well, now we have that person's life hanging over you. You, you, either seriously wounded, injured, or killed somebody else that was not even a party to this incident. And whether you are charged in that or not, whether you are sued or not in that, you still will have to live with that. And that's something I don't want you guys having to deal with. Yeah, I, you you hit all the the key points. I, I would there are two things, a couple of things that struck out uh, struck me um, is is um, he initially did the right thing, right? Uh, he, he de-escalated or, or broke contact from, from the incident. Um, and, um, I think, you know, when we look at these stories and oftentimes we, we cover these stories and we never get the follow-up. So in the story, it says there's an investigation, obviously, right? So we don't know if the guy will be charged at a later date or he never will be. And so these types of stories, sometimes when we don't see the result as the person being arrested and they never follow up and tell us if he's been arrested, people will look at these stories and be like, well, I heard about, you know, all these stories about people shooting through doors and and they never got arrested. Well, we don't know if this guy is ever going to be arrested or not. I'm not saying that he will. I'm just saying, um, you know, we need to take these things, uh, whether or not, like you said, whether or not he gets arrested or a civil lawsuit or whatever, um, it's important to, to learn, you know, that you're exposing yourself to a lot of risk, um, by shooting through a door like that. I think, um, perhaps his initial response of retreating gave him a little bit more leeway in the eyes of, uh, law enforcement as that he wasn't going out looking for, for a fight. Right. So, um, that might've, you know, showed a little bit of, uh, intent to, uh, not be involved in the shooting. Um, but still, I don't, I don't, you know, we don't know what's going to happen, but, um, but it is definitely, you know, we, we've talked about this a lot of times, like mm-hmm. shooting through doors where you can't see what's on the other side. Not, not great. So. Yep. Yep. That's right. 
That's right. Take cover. And if that person manages to breach that door, then that changes things, right? Um, or could change things. So keep all these things in mind and use good judgment. And shooting through doors, typically not good judgment. Um, it would be different if this was some kind of justifiable use of force when you're, that other party is in a vehicle and you can see where they are and you're shooting through a door or window of that vehicle. But even that, again, is not ideal and is generally not recommended because it, it you cannot guarantee where that bullet's going to go once it passes through glass, once it passes through steel, once it passes through wood or whatever, right? So just know that bullets can and sometimes do uh, behave unpredictably. In fact, I would say most of the time uh, perform probably unpredictably, at least in some degree uh, when we shoot through objects. So advise caution. An interesting story nonetheless, though. And and to be clear, it was the woman that was arrested and charged with aggravated menacing Mm -hmm. and criminal damaged property. Uh, The, uh, the man involved in this incident that uh, shot that fired the shot does not appear to have been charged. Yep. A family grateful for off-duty Boston officer who stopped dog from mauling child. This, according to WCVB.com, Channel 5, ABC News affiliate in the Boston area. Matthew, what happened in this incident? Yeah, so um, basically what happens is uh, a little afternoon, um, people hear a boy screaming. Um, and this off-duty officer um, must live in the area. It's an apartment building. If you watch the video, you know, the, the homes are pretty close or the buildings are pretty close. Um, and they come outside and see a dog mauling this boy, this 11-year-old boy, um, who received many injuries from this mauling and had to get, you know, uh, surgery, emergency surgery and things. And was at, uh, at one point, I think, critical condition from this, uh, this pit bull attacking the dog, uh, attacking the boy. So, um, in the, in the article, it says, uh, the, the off duty officer fired a shot and it's un it's unclear if either the dog or the boy was struck by the shot, but in any event that must have, been able to uh, cause the dog to to separate from attacking the boy further and uh, they were able to to uh, get him to the hospital and um, you know but this is one of those things where you know we, we kind of don't think about um, stuff like this you know but animals um, especially you know uh, certain breeds of dogs and stuff like that they're they're animals they're and they have an instinctual thing that um, sometimes kicks in. And, uh, you know, it's, it's evident from the statements here and the injuries that this boy sustained that had this somebody not intervened, um, this boy likely would have died. And uh, so this is a justified save. That's not typical, but it's, it's certainly a justified save. Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, Non-typical. It does say in the article that uh, it's unclear, at least at the, at the time of the publishing of this article, that uh, whether the dog was struck by the shot that was fired or the child. Uh, it doesn't say anything about um, uh, the child being injured by, you know, as a result of the officer's actions. It says that, he, that this 11-year-old boy was in surgery after he was mauled. Uh, presumably, his injuries were from the dog. Um, but regardless, officer stepped in, and, and because of whatever actions he did take 
broke off this attack with this dog and saved it very well likely saved this dog's or this boy's life. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, good for this uh, off duty officer. Uh, recognize, I, I recognize certainly that he, he there's no obligation, right, upon this man to step in and save this boy, right? Just as there's no obligation on anybody um, to to have to intervene in any kind of situation, and also the Supreme Court that you know ruled that even a on duty officer is not legally obligated to save a person's life. But here is an officer who is off duty. Um, but I, I'd like to think that anyone in a similar situation would um, step in to mm-hmm. help out a, a, a poor child from a vicious attack, uh, from regardless of who or what is doing the attacking. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, all right, interesting story there out of Boston. These are non-typical DGUs. Is kind of is, is mm-hmm. the note that uh, Matthew. Uh, had typed alongside these stories. Uh, and that is definitely the case. Real quick, while I take a short break again, Matthew here, and uh, <laughs> I, I just decided I need some some caffeine or something, some, right? Some liquid uh, refreshment <laughs> here from the Jackson Hole Soda Company. This is Cowboy Cream Soda. Mm. I had one uh, a couple days ago. It was pretty tasty. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm. Tasty. All right. And there's a funny thing, too, on the uh, cap of this bottle, by the way. It says, best dang soda in the whole darn country. <laughs> bold claim. Bold claim. <laughs> I don't know if it's the best, but it's pretty darn good. On to Philadelphia, where, uh, according to NBCPhiladelphia.com, a store owner was shot five times while fighting a robber. This, according to police there. Uh, it says both the store owner and suspect were taken to Temple University Hospital, where they're both listed in stable condition. So it appears that both these uh, individuals are going to uh, survive this incident. But let me uh, break down how this went. How this went down in Philadelphia, the store owner uh, is about 7 p.m. on a Monday evening when a 51-year-old man entered the corner store that this uh, 36-year-old owner. Uh, was worked where he was working that evening. The uh, this fifty-one-year-old uh, man went into the store and announced a robbery. It says and pointed a gun at the store owner's head. It says the, it says the store owner then grabbed the gun and tried to take it out of the suspect's hands. So pause there. First of all, let's recognize the fact that this gun is pointed at this man's head. Right. Um, this is this is gutsy. This is. This is a gutsy move because if anything so as much goes wrong, which very likely well could in a situation like this, you might just take a round right to the head then and there and it's done and over with, right? So you better, if you're, if that's a decision you make, you better absolutely know it's the right one and you better know that you are committed to the cause because if you are not committed then as is going to be become apparent in our next story, the importance of commitment and also wise tactics, um, it can really get you in trouble here. And also taking a gun out of someone's hands, especially when that person is ready to make use of that gun and is also not afraid of using that gun, there's a good chance that you're going to get yourself hurt. 
So what happened here is the store owner attempted to disarm the suspect who had the gun pointed at his head. During the struggle, the store owner was shot four times in the stomach and once in the left arm. The suspect, meanwhile, was shot once in the right finger and may have also suffered a graze wound to the right side of his head. Store employees and a customer rushed in and helped hold the suspect until police arrived. A, a word of advice or caution to that. So, and it's it's great that people rushed in to help uh, as soon as this incident happened uh, to take control of the suspect. Again, know that you are um, putting yourself into that situation and you may get yourself in trouble. But let's. what I wanted to say is that you want to make sure you, you truly do gain control of that gun. Uh, if it has been removed from or kicked away from the hands of the suspect, uh, somebody's hopefully that someone is who is knowledgeable about guns. You want to make sure you get a hold of that gun and get it, uh, get it properly secured, unloaded and away from the suspect. So just make sure we, we got to keep things in, in perspective and remember the priority of things. Uh, yes, we want to get control of the suspect, but honestly, more importantly is getting control of that weapon because even if that suspect's able to get away, um, I'd rather that than a situation where um, they're able to retain control of that gun in any way or regain control of it and then continue to use it against you. Um, anyway, so quite a wild story here, but kudos to the store owner for what seems to me a pretty good commitment level. I mean, he he went for it. He stayed in it. Yes, he got himself shot a bunch badly could have really ended badly for him, uh, meaning ended his, it could have ended his life. It seems that he is going to survive, um, and, and kudos to him for, for being willing to fight because there's a lot of people that don't have that fight within them, as will be evidenced, unfortunately, by our next story. Yeah. I mean, you hit it, you hit it on the head, right? You have to have a, being able to pull a trigger, being able to, you know, be, tactically minded uh is useless if you give up and um you know th- I, I think oftentimes we talk about um you know not drawing on a drawn gun obviously the store manager or clerk didn't have a gun but um sometimes compliance works and sometimes it doesn't and you make that call where you see you're gu- gauging this this person who's holding the gun and saying what are my odds if i comply and if you yep. do that risk reward and you start saying based off of this guy's actions and, and you know what he's doing, I don't think that I'm going to survive even if I comply, then your next best option is to try to disarm him. And, if, you know, and at that point, like you said, uh, you, you have to be overwhelmingly violent um, to, to stop that um, because it's it's. that's it. Right. Like they've already shown the intent. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty crazy story, but uh, I'm glad, I'm glad it seems like he's going to be okay. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hand to hand combatives is, is an important piece of the overall uh, self-defense plan, if you will. Um, Don't, don't overlook that. Right. Don't get so trapped into, well, I got a gun. I'm good to go. Because there are situations where the ability, the ability to fight, just all out fight, uh, to roll, to wrestle, to whatever, whatever's required in the, in the, uh, considering the circumstances, um, you know, guys get out there. And if you have the option of 
uh, taking some some Brazilian jiu-jitsu um, classes or other forms of, you know, where hand-to-hand combatives are taught, uh, I highly recommend that you do so. I'm, I'm unfortunately right now not able to train in that area as much as I used to and as much as I'd like to. I hope to get back into that more, but at least I have some experience and some knowledge uh, in, in not just the use of a gun, but also in hand-to-hand defensive techniques. Um, so anyway, all right, let's, uh, let's get now to our next story. Uh, Matthew, you could take the lead on this one, according to foxnews.com. And this is, I, I imagine a lot of folks have heard about this one by now. Uh, it was an unfortunate story that I thought, honestly, Matthew, strangely came almost on the anniversary, just a few days o- later, you know, over a year after the shooting uh, in Texas last year, where, uh, of course, the now famous Jack Wilson, um, you know, used his uh, his SIG 229 to stop that uh, shooter there. Uh, we had another incident in Texas at a church, but unfortunately, this one resulted in the local pastor being killed and two others injured. Yeah, so um, this happened, like you said, uh, in Star at a Starville Methodist Church. Um, it happens 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning. Um, and so one of the pastors is uh, go walks into one of the bathrooms and finds somebody there that isn't supposed to be there. Um, apparently, there's some sort of uh, it's, it's unclear exactly what happened, whether he drew his firearm and tried to keep the guy, you know, at bay or if they started to get into a fight and then the gun came out. It's unclear exactly. Um, but in any event. Um, the pastor ends up, uh, actually, I'm sorry, he point, uh, the pastor pointed a gun initially at the suspect and told him to leave. Um, at that point is when uh, the subject disarms and, and the fight ensues, disarms the pastor with, and takes his own gun and shoots him. Um, and the pastor ends up dying. Now, there are two other individuals in, in the uh, in the church at this time. And, um, they're both, one of them's injured with a gunshot wound. Um, I, I believe, I believe one was injured with a gunshot wound and the other one, I'm not sure, um, exactly. Um, or maybe they were both shot and one was more injured than the other because one's in the hospital and one apparently is not. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it, then this guy gets in the, it takes the pastor's car, drives off, um, and then later is stopped by police. And uh, he's found with a gunshot wound in his hand. So, and they're, they're not sure um, if it was self inflicted or if it happened during the, the fight. I would imagine, you know, I'm just speculating that it happened during the fight, um, but who knows. Um, but yeah, so uh, it's crazy because, you know, I, I know I'm, I imagine there's some people out there that are on church security teams or whatnot. I I am. And I know before Sunday mornings, uh, we, we walk the building and we go through all the rooms and make sure before people start getting there that nobody got in there overnight and there's not something um, dangerous in there uh, for those people. And um, it's one of those things where, you know, just having the gun doesn't, doesn't mean you're, you're, uh, in charge of this situation or you're in control and that you're going to survive. And um, I think, you know, in retrospect, the pastor probably would have done things differently, you know, see the guy, Hey, I'm, I'm not going to pull my gun out right away. Um, and, you know, maybe handle it, maybe back out and, and um, but 
you know, it's just one of those things where we don't think um, anything bad is going to happen because we have a firearm. Um, but like you said, said in the other, in the previous uh, uh, story, you know, the roles were reversed, right? The bad guy had the gun, the good guy disarmed him, so to speak. Um, this time it's reversed. So it can happen both ways. So um, it's just the importance of uh, not just having a gun, right? That's that's not the goal. The The goal is to be able to use the gun appropriately and know when to use it and know how to approach um, situations like this. So unfortunately, this is one of those tragic things that uh, I hate to see, but um, hopefully we can learn something from it. Yep. Yep. You know, and I, I alluded to this story several times in that last story we just covered um, because <sighs> What we have here is a pastor who pointed a gun at a suspect, um, asked him to leave. And all I can say is that based on the fact that it says then that the suspect was able to disarm him before then shooting and killing him tells me that, um, that there was not space between the pastor and the suspect. And that's really key here. Okay. If you're close enough to get disarmed, then you are way too close. And how do you know if you're too close? Um, within arm's reach, certainly. Uh, six, even nine feet. Like, I, I would want to be back off. But as much as much as I can, that's honestly, that's the answer. You want to be away as much as you can. If you had to be at arm's length for whatever reason, then you want to be keeping that gun at a re- in a retention position, meaning close into your body putting as much space between you and them, right? You can even, you, you can even be in a retention position and have that gun anchored across your chest while you're extending your other arm out to create space. Okay. And by so doing, you're not just three, like if my arms are three feet long, I'm actually extending that distance as I turn my body away from them with my gun anchored in close. Um, but that's not ideal, right? I would seriously, so it sounds like that the uh, that the confrontation occurred or started in a restroom within the church. Mm-hmm. So other news sources I saw, and that that might very well be a, confi- a relatively confined space. Um, and, and so I would say that you know you really need to you want to get out of there. That that is not that is not the place to be making your stand. That is not the place to be uh, confronting this man. With gun or without gun, right? Chances are, if it's a restroom, there's one entrance and one exit. So, you know what? Get out of there and back away. Have your gun at the ready if need be, but don't be making your your last stand right there in the restroom. That's a terrible place to find yourself in a fight with or without gun. All right. So, just some things to think about and consider here. Um, I, and I don't mean to judge this pastor too critically. That's not really what this is meant to be. It, it, this is a learning moment is what it is. And we don't know all the, all the facts either. Um, so all it is, is interpolations based on what has been reported, but there's, but these are still all valid things to talk about, regardless of what the actual facts are. We, we use these a lot and this happens all the time with these stories that we cover in our justified saves episodes is you use the stories as a basis to then go, okay, what other things or what things do we want to know or consider or be thinking about uh, that, 
can be expanded to a broader range of circumstances and situations um, because that that's what this is about because you're not going to find yourself in the exact same situation as pastor was in. And that's, that's really the point I'm, I want to make here is that regardless of exactly what happened, doesn't necessarily matter if what we can learn from it applies to a broader array of circumstances because your circumstances will not be ex- identical to what this pastor was faced with. Right. Exactly. So the, the the important lessons to take away from this is create space, create distance from a threat. Okay. Space and distance is your friend, regardless of if they have a knife, a gun, a bat, whatever it is, because space and distance either means they can't hurt you with the weapon that they have or means it's hard for them to hit you with a gun. Right. And, and you, and I would also hopefully be able to bet on the fact that if I create distance off of a suspect, off, off of someone that I consider to be a threat to me, and they've got a gun and I've got a gun, I'd like to think that my ability to shoot at distance is better than theirs, right? So space and distance is always your first priority when dealing with a threat, if you have that uh, that option, right? And then um, don't don't fight in confined spaces, uh, call authorities and get them there to help if you can. Right. So, so many things here, you know, the, and it goes back to principles that we talk about all the time on the podcast, Matthew, where avoidance is and avoidance and deescalation. In, in other words, not having to go there in the first place, meaning not having to actually pull that gun, not actually having to press that trigger. I want to avoid all of that if I can. Because it makes the aftermath so much easier in every respect, right? Deadly force is my last resort, whether by law or by my own values and morals or just by simple tactics and the rules of a fight that allows me the best chance of surviving that day and getting home to my family. I agree. I agree, man. Completely. Yeah, and Tim's got a great comment here on uh, Facebook. He says that he he he's thought about some of the same things here regarding this incident. He says that uh, the the pastor may have saw the man who had the church's deposit bag in the bathroom, which might have changed to the pastor trying to stop the man from stealing the church's funds versus backing away. And, and see, this is a great example if, if that's true, and I think that's, a, that's I think that's a likely scenario that you have this man cornered in the bathroom and you want to try to keep him from getting away because he's got, you know, a thousand, two thousand dollars or whatever of, of church funds, which this is very well be small, relatively small church. And that might be a lot of money for that church. And so, but, but the fact is money is just money, right? And now we have a dead pastor and there's no amount of money that will bring him back. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a mix a mix up of priorities. If if that's what was the thinking in this pastor's mind, yeah. Now nobody goes into something something thinking, well, this is going to get me killed, right? But it's about recognizing beforehand that, hmm, confronting this man in a confined space with my gun outstretched might not be the best idea. Yes, sir. Um, next up. 
80-year-old Pensacola homeowner shoots 15-year-old suspected car thief. Uh, this one out of Pensacola, Florida, obviously, on weartv.com, uh, uh, ABC affiliate down there. And uh, basically, what happened is an 80-year-old man said, walked outside to lock his cars. Two men happened to be pointing a gun at him at that point. They So they, they basically, you know, he goes out to lock his cars, apparently. I, I don't know. I guess maybe he forgot to lock his cars. I, I typically lock my car as soon as I park it, you know, and leave. But uh, he goes outside to lock his car, as it said. And two men approached him, pointing a gun, demanding his car. The police said that the homeowner then grabbed his concealed gun and opened fire. One of the suspects was a 15-year-old who was shot near his heart. He's listed in critical condition. The second suspect, likely another young uh, individual, got away. Uh, so that's the story. Not a lot to work with there, but, uh, you know, the fact that these men approached him with a gun pointing at him, you know, he could, he could comply, but it sort of leaves him no choice as far as this is an open and shut. And it even says the bottom article, stand your ground case in Florida here, because these are armed criminals and, um, he he chose to engage them, and he he won, which which is good for him. Eighty year old man against a couple of young punks, and uh, he managed to be the the victor that day. So good for him. Yeah, I mean, tactically, you 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 know, you covered everything in mindset and all that. Uh, I guess my beef in with this story is. First of all, the the title is misleading. You, they weren't a suspected car thief. They pointed a gun at this guy. You could just as easily say it's an attempted murder. I mean, they pointed a gun at the, an eighty year old dude. That's that's not you know maybe the end goal for them was to steal a car, but anybody who had a gun pointed at them would not say, oh well, I was you know somebody was trying to steal my car. They'd say I, I was somebody was trying to kill me. They pointed a gun at me, um, and so. You know, I think that that's we have to, you know, be aware of those types of things. And additionally, like, I don't know, it says it's a stand your stand your ground case. I I don't really think that that, you know, fleeing would be particularly or it would even be uh, considered considering that somebody's pointing a gun at them. That's that's an immediate threat that they're in arm, you know, within arm's length distance. Um, it's immediate. It's it's eminent. Uh, they can carry it out. So I don't think, you know, even if there wasn't stand your ground, even if it was a duty to retreat state, um, I don't even think that there'd be an issue there either. So, um, you know, it's one of those things. I, one thing that I did notice over these last uh, month or so of going through these cases, and even last month, that the number of juveniles committing violent crime is astronomically higher than it was before. Um, I just anecdotally saw some news reports in, in the Columbus area and several carjackings and things perpetrated by juveniles, like 15, 16, 17 year old kids going out, carjacking people, robbing people at gunpoint and stuff like that. So, um, you know, just as an aside, um, don't fall into the, into a trap of thinking like, Oh, okay, well, these are just 15 year old kids. Um, they're, they're not harmful because, uh, you know, they're just as, just as deadly as, as anybody else. Um, so, uh, just, just kind of, you know, not tactically stuff, uh, comments or anything, but just about how things are kind of reported on. 
I just realized I was muted. I apologize. <laughs> I was trying to figure out. I thought I just lost some sound. <laughs> well, there was some background noise here on my end. So anyway, I, I was just saying, yeah, man, I spot on with, with all that. And you're exactly right. I mean, I, I even kind of said something to this fact, but I retract what I said about this being a standard ground case because there's no duty to retreat in this case. There, there, there is none. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless of what state you're in. And that's the point you made and you're, you're spot on about that. So, and, and I fight, I, I mentioned the standard ground because the article pointed that out, like really goes out of their way to, right. to say that, which I find interesting. And the media does not help no. in effectively and accurately communicating to the general public what standard ground is really all about. Mm-hmm. Anyway, all right, final story, uh, and we're kind of running a little bit over time, so I'm going to run through this one fairly quickly. But this one out of Port Arthur, uh, Texas, uh, this according to FoxSanAntonio.com, uh, and the Port Arthur Police Department says, homeowner shoots, kills, home invasion robbery suspect to protect young children. And this is another interesting article. And, and by the way, it's it's valid in that, hey, protecting your children is a valid reason to use force in defense of somebody. I mean, that's what I would do for my own kids. But again, it seems to be another example of something where the media, like, it's almost like they grab onto something and like, you know, like, Ooh, this is good. Um, says again and again, and again, how he did this to, to protect his young children. But the fact is, regardless of young children in the home or not, uh, it was probably every bit just as justified, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But here's the situation. Uh, you had a, a homeowner, a man, uh, who, who who's at home. His kids are there. It actually says that uh, his, uh, well, it says a female, I, you know, whether it's his wife or, or girlfriend or whatever, right? But a female resident was arriving at home, it says. And when she, about the time she's arriving at home, these assail- three armed assailants, I might add, three of them forcibly then enter the home. Now that's a common thing, thing, right? We've seen that in many other circumstances where uh, uh, the, the prime opportunity for a criminal is, you know, when you're, when you're arriving at home to try to rob you then and there, or gain access to your house then and there. So, so we should always be uh, like one thing I do, right? I I don't have a garage I can pull my vehicle, my large, you know, F three fifty truck into, so it's parked outside. Before I exit my vehicle, I'm checking my mirrors left and right and behind and all that, you know, and, and, and basically just doing a look around the vehicle before I hit that unlock button, grab the handle and exit my vehicle. Um, and that's just something that's developed by, you know, habit. That's, that's what I do every time. Check the surroundings before I get out. This is right now. This is my safe place, right? I'm in my vehicle. I'm reasonably well protected. So I want to check and make sure that there's not somebody sneaking up on me as I'm about to get out and, and go walk up to my house. So, but that's what went down here. This woman's going into her home. Three armed assailants then force their way into the home. The father of these children and presumably uh, partner spouse to this woman uh, hears commotion, grabs his rifle, doesn't specify what type of rifle, not that it matters, but I kind of would like to know if it was an <laughs> AR because it's a good home defense weapon. Um, grabs his rifle, shoot these three armed uh, 
intruders at that, you know, that they've now intruded into the home, shoots at them, kills one of them. The other two presume, excuse me, presumably escape. And that's the end of the story. Like Bravo to the, to this father who had a uh, couple of young children at home with him. Uh, you know, this woman that he presumably also cares about and he did what he had to do to defend his home and his family that night. Good for him. Yeah. I mean, I can't add anything else. Just wanted to, and you know, the, the series of uh, stories with something positive and a, and a good solid defensive gun use. So, you know, like you said, kudos. Yep. Yeah, man. And, and, and kudos to you for compiling a great list of <laughs> justified safe stories for this episode today, Matthew. Uh, I don't know if folks realize, but uh, Matthew primarily takes the, the brunt of the work to, put together these collection of stories each time. So thank you. Good, sir. <laughs> well, thank you. We, we are now at that point where we start wrapping up the episode. Uh, today's episode was sponsored again by the new ready up your rock backpack. Again, you can find it at concealedcarry.com forward slash range ruck. And also the legal boundaries by state book. Available at concealedcarry.com forward slash gun law book. And in fact, we're giving away a free copy of the Legal Boundaries by State book today as part of our weekly giveaway. And so Matthew has picked our random winner from the entries uh, that we received this last week from those of you that have gone to uh, to concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize and signed up. And again, you'll want to do that each week. And in fact, this coming week's prize will be a free copy of the Door Ambush DVD, which is very appropriate considering the story we just ended on there. So if you want to get some tips and some ideas about how to better defend yourself against a potential door ambush, then you might want a copy of this of this training video. All right. So the door ambush DVD will be next week's prize. And you, you can sign up for that opportunity to be a lucky random winner at concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. Who's our lucky winner this week, Matthew. Lucky winner is Shane. Um, Shane, your last name starts with a W I'm in the process of emailing you. So uh, nice. congratulations. Congrats to Jane W on this this week's winner. Again, he's going to get a copy of the Legal Boundaries by State book. Guys, we thank you so much. Uh, you know, here we are in 2021. What an interesting start to the year already. Uh, who knows what, what where we're going to find ourselves, um, both as a podcast, as a business, as a country, in in a, in the next year. Um, I'd like to think that things for us will be bigger and better than ever. Uh, but I certainly am praying for the state of and the uh, welfare and well-being of our nation. And I hope that you are, too, at least in whatever capacity you might uh, um, you know, do that. So, guys, thanks so much. We appreciate you for supporting us in the podcast. And we're going to let you go with a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care.
A reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.